Lovewell Creative, in partnership with Crosswalk Church, presents the Sacred Echo Podcast. In this podcast, we'll hear from the teaching team from Crosswalk Church about the upcoming sermon series, sermons, how they process, about faith, life, love, and friendship as well. For more information on Crosswalk Church, go to www.crosswalkvillage.com. Hey, welcome in everybody. This is Tim Gillespie, Patty McCoy, and David Ferguson here at the Sacred Echo Podcast. And we're just glad that you're all joining us. How's everybody doing today? David, I'm starting with David. Sorry, Patty. I'm doing well, doing super well. Let me share this with you guys. I had, my wife and I had supper last night with a, with a couple um, who have long traveled the journey of faith uh, but they just wanted us to know how important the sacred echo is to them. Oh, wow. They they start out by saying, hey, the only way, the only way to really go through this is you go to church and you listen live, and then you go back and you listen to, for their case, then you watch uh, Redlands campus, and then you listen to the sermon. People don't understand. They're telling me this. <laughs> People don't understand from three different echo angles. And then I go through each day the series guide and the abide, and then Christmas is the day the sacred echo comes out. And, oh, I'm so disappointed when it doesn't. I just thought <laughs> I would share with you the work that we're doing. It seems like it's mattering, mm-hmm. and people are valuing it, including this podcast. That it's is funny, so Dave, awesome. that, that you say that because I had I had several last week, and of course, you know, we were we were still snowed in or iced in really last week here in Portland. Um, two weeks in a row of not being able to gather for church, which which was tough for our people. We desperately wanted to get together last weekend, um, but uh, but I had several people that commented on last week's episode of the Sacred Podcast, and my my response is always a little funny because someone's like, "Oh, you, you listen to it?" Like I'm always <laughs> just like, "That's so cool." Uh, yeah. But similar kinds of responses that people are. It's funny how people are starting to tell us like. You know, hey, um, um, you know, people need to be doing this, 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 and this. I hope, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, we're making it available on purpose. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, I mean, it's, we we don't do this for our own aggrandizement. We we do it right. so it might be a resource for people. Um, I mean, I like going back and listening to it as well. Just the funny bits, just the funny <laughs> parts. <laughs> I fear sometimes what those are. <laughs> Oh, I think we all know what those are from last we, week. Dave. Yeah, we we know what those are. In fact, I think you know the the uh, some friends of ours that run a another podcast that reached out immediately and said that they needed to create a meme out of part of our conversation last week. I think yep. that's the reach. That's the it was reach pretty funny. That we have listen. Sometimes metaphors go awry. Let's just well, let's just own it. You know, it's that thing where you can hear it in your head, but a beat too late, and then you're trying to correct. <laughs> Yep. And it's no. Okay. There we go. Uh, it's a great caption for, you know, like a, like maybe a, a tombstone, you know, an epitaph. I was just a beat too late. Just, mm-hmm. just a little too late. And maybe nah. just in case somebody's going, boy, I feel like I'm left out of an inside joke. I will out myself in a part of the conversation that I was saying, you know, connection to Christ the 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 energy and the flow of what you've grabbed onto there it flows through you and what i was trying to say was <laughs> it becomes the result of your life flowing through you to fruit on the other end oh that would have been nicer if you yeah, said it that it, way it, yeah. yeah it it came out as it flows through you and comes <laughs> out and right at that point i'm going mayday mayday yep it comes out and and I tried to to correct it by tacking on because I said comes out the other end, yeah, <laughs> of your life. It comes nope. out of the other end of your life, nobody but heard, I don't nobody think it corrected that. it at all. Nobody heard that. <laughs> I think I think to at least have this in the conversation two weeks in the row is really what's going to be a blessing. Uh, You're welcome. I'm now looking well, to set people, one of I mean, you up for today's to keep, meme. It's important everybody keeps up with what, what's what's happening here. I think that's I think that matters. Um, I don't know about you guys. I've really been thoroughly enjoying preaching this new wine series. Had a fascinating conversation with someone who said, "I, you know, I it feels like the the new like such an avenue series." 
you know, you guys talking about wine. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Why? Well, you yeah. know, new wine. That's like an avenous conversation. I was like, well, you know, Jesus said it. I, so <laughs> that, <laughs> that was weird. Funny. That was a little yeah. weird. I think somebody just wasn't really paying attention nearly as much. But um, that's interesting. Is that, yeah. I mean, I've, I don't know that I've ever heard a series on, on what the new wine nope. and, and the new wineskins is. So, so that's, yeah. Yeah, I don't know it, was where that from. it was surprising to me. I thought yeah. it was, it was, well, you never maybe know. we'll counterbalance it with, I, I received the comment of somebody saying, I would not have been able to articulate it, but this series specifically lands right in the heart of what I'm dealing with and going through. And it just mm. feels like God directed in the, um, planning those days ago, however long ago you planned it to, to land it in my life specifically right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, it's I'm always, always amazed when that happens. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, that's why we named this podcast, the sacred echo, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I love when I hear, and I hear this quite often, someone who's, who's caught up in Chattanooga or caught up in Portland and they're like, Oh, you said this. And then Patty said this and Dave said this. And like, are you guys, are you guys planning these sermons together? Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, we're not sitting down for hours at a time a week, but we all know the direction that we're heading. And, um, I think the beauty of this is that, you know, people, people resonate with different language, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. all have a little bit of a different language that we speak when we, we talk about these things. And so people are catching that. And then, yeah, getting excited about going back and, um, and listening to, to the other people to find out what it, what did they say? What did Patty say? What did Dave say? Like, that's really awesome. Yeah. I got to experience that in a different way last week because of course, you know, we thought for sure, I mean, there were three days last week where we were saying to ourselves here in Portland, well, it's going to warm up. I mean, we're going to meet this weekend. There's no doubt about it. Um, and even, even Friday morning, we were saying that to ourselves, like, yeah, we're going to be together tomorrow. Um, and so we all, of course, planned everything. I've got a full sermon ready to go and, and all that stuff. And, and then, you know, I get to sit and listen, you know, Tim, to you preach on Sabbath morning, which usually, you know, I'm trying to catch it later on the podcast or something like that because your Saturdays are so full and so busy. Um, but, but man, it was such a, so cool to sit there. And and I started thinking about that, how, you know, you got three different churches, quote unquote churches. Yes, we're all connected, but three different churches that, you know, we're saying it in different ways. We have different emphasis on different things, but, but it's all, you know, in the same direction. And, and what a, what a beautiful thing that was and to, to help someone really dig into the text. Um, and so anyway, I, I, I got to experience last weekend and just, uh, just made me appreciate you both all the more. (laughs) Can you guys, can you guys hear what just, what I just heard? No. So we've got a full cadre of Canadian geese that have landed in between our buildings and they're not quiet. I think this may be why Canadians are such sweet people because they're geese are not <laughs> well those guys uh, are jerks I, i'm sure i'm sure those geese are so are sorry i'm sure they're sorry, sorry. if they um bothered your uh, you know, sorry that they're out there they're oot, yeah oot, and, anyway uh yeah well and the good news is they'll probably leave something for you oh quite a few things i would think yeah that's so <laughs> so sweet of them canadian geese um so yeah maybe we should we should talk about what we're talking about this week we're in we're in episode four of uh the what is it called new, new wine. wine sorry i was gonna say sacred echo but episode four of new wine this five week series and um and we've you know we've I, I wouldn't say that we've run out of metaphor. We could spend more time in the metaphor of the gardener, the vineyard, certainly. But I think I think we all kind of handled it quite well and pretty profoundly. I I mean, I exegeted like the whole thing. Like I just went went in for that kind of work. But um, but now we're moving on to kind of um, at least the tack that I took was um, really what what are we what are we invited into when we're invited into this new wine. Kind of what, what is it? And I think kind of the, the um, arc of this, for me, the arc of this series has been, hey, Jesus is offering something new. Um, and, you know, it's not necessarily going to be held by old vessels. We talked about the refreshing of the old vessel, if we can, and we're certainly trying to do that. And then, um, 
you know, and then going a little further into that metaphor, the vineyard is talking about how we gain sustenance and that sort of thing. And then for me, this fourth week is really leaning into the idea of what we're invited into and what that means. And that really becomes a bit of a discipleship journey, I would say, and understanding kind of what that is. I don't know. What is the tack that you guys are thinking about? Patty, well, someone's got to yes. say something. This is a podcast. You can't just keep looking at each other. I just was watching Patty's face My and it goodness. felt like something was about to happen. And so I was given space yeah. for it every now and then it, there's a, you know, rock, paper, scissors moment, yeah. you know, <laughs> like, like who's going to go first. Uh, anyway. Yeah. No, I, I'm actually, I, I felt again, because, you know, Tim, we had you here in Portland on the screen for the first week. And then of course we didn't have a choice the second week and then it happened again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt like last week I was really kind of catching up almost and, and I, I did not get through all the way through John 15. So really? I'm actually carrying over John 15 and the, the remain and the, uh, the abide idea a little bit into this next week into that kind of invitation, nice. um, you know, to, uh, to disciple and be a part of that journey. Tim, you actually said something before we went live that I think is important because there's a difference, I think, in between learning about Jesus mm-hmm. and learning from Jesus. Yeah. Right. Like, like we can go and, and we can gather all the knowledge we can. Um, but there's a difference in, in sitting and listening that, that I think that we don't talk about enough. I think, especially if you've grown up in a faith tradition, I think there's this idea that, well, you figured out what prayer is and you figured out what reading the scriptures means and what that looks like. And I think there's a lot of assumptions that get made. Um, when, when really we need to talk about this kind of stuff, um, because this is where you know, the, the, the journey, the invitation and sitting at the feet of Jesus is really where the, that's where transformation happens. Um, yeah. you know, and, and that, so, uh, I'm, I'm excited to talk about it, uh, some more and get people into thinking about the, the disciplines, especially as we, as we gear up for, you know, our invitation series, it's coming next. Mm. Yeah. I, I am, you know, really focused on, you know, John 15's call for us to remain and what that, what that looks like and the connection. And I think probably the, the continuation or the jump off for me, um, I love the passage, you know, come to me, all of you that are are weary. Um, And sometimes that weariness is is the weariness of having gone it alone and not Mm -hmm. actually really fully taken advantage of this idea. I like in the, the series guide, the kind of focus on being yoked to one who can actually carry the load. Mm-hmm. I think that Christianity has a reputation as yoking ourselves to someone who's going to take us somewhere that would not be our natural will, which is, while true, sometimes a distortion. The idea that you have to willingly kind of give yourself up to get carried off to a place you wouldn't actually want to go, right? Yeah. Um, I'm considering using I've got to decide whether it's uh, kosher enough, if it's appropriate enough. But there is a show called I'm always the up Challenge. For a I'm always up okay, for a lead-in like that, go. by the way, Dave. I'm ready. Let's You're welcome. Go. <laughs> There's a show called The Challenge, uh, which is a contest show that had a really rough uh, beginning from my perspective on, on MTV. Um, so I'm not sure what to recommend of it in terms of, you know, drinking and swearing and even marginal fighting and this kind of thing. But it was a contest show, you know, something like the survivor is a contest show where people are on it and they're then pitted against each other for moments. And one of the kind of classic now in the later stages battles that occurs, these two guys are, um, you're seated on in the sand back to back with basically a backpack that makes the other person a backpack on their back, right? So they're facing (laughs) away from each other, seated on the ground. And the contest is there are two barrels. I'm, let's say it's you and me, Patty. You'd be facing one direction. I'm facing the other toward a barrel. I've got to touch the barrel I'm facing. Mm. You got to touch the barrel you're facing. And what happens is this one dude basically stands the other guy up and just wears him as a backpack across this arena and slams him into the barrel. <laughs> Clearly yoked <laughs> and going somewhere against the will, right? Um, it is, you know, and so what is it, this idea of being connected to Christ? How good is it? And I love 
this portion of the passage that says, look, the human experience in this world is one of weariness. Had a just a heartbreaking conversation with a one of our members who lost a father. Um, he's just barely able to talk about it. That is a weariness, the loss of a loved one. Mm-hmm. Um, continued failure, feeling rejected. Just, just even success creates a weariness um, that we are meant to actually spend the majority of our experience with that load lifted, right? Partnered, carried, connected. And so that's kind of the texture of remaining that I'm currently kind of mm. kind of baking around in my head. <clears throat> and I think it is spiritual discipline, right? How do you but and, and you know the other thing that I was thinking as you were asking the question, Tim, is we can talk about it in a way, new wine, that sounds like it's just absolutely new, but it is actually a recirculation of the old, right? It's the yeah. thing that's been all along, but now is today's version. And you can have accepted Christ and 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 experienced the load be lifted, and then today get right back to a place that's just too heavy. Mm-hmm. The new wine is, yeah, this is a this is a cycle that keeps on coming to lift the weary. Yeah. I mean Jesus says, you know, my, my yoke is easy. The burden is light. Right. Um, so how, how much do we actually believe that? Because Mm. I think what we've done is we've found this yoke of Christ and then we've laden it with quite a few things. Um, and I don't think I really understood, I don't think I really understood yokes until I went to the middle East and I saw like old school yokes on oxen being carried. And I remember they even had them on goats one time. And I thought, Oh, that's weird. But the goats were pulling this thing and they were able to do it. They weren't ever goats don't really run in the same directions. Like you could tell they're (laughs) fighting their yoke the whole time. Um, but you know, Rob Bell has a lot to say about yokes. Um, and I think, I think he's done some of the, some good work on it, quite honestly, when he talks about the yoke, one thing, as I was kind of researching it, um, one of the things that a rabbi would say to a pupil when they misinterpreted the law is they would say, oh, you, you abolish the Torah. You abolish the Torah when they misinterpreted it, according to the rabbi. And when they got the interpretation right, they would say, oh, you fulfilled the Torah. You fulfilled the law. And that's language that is specific that we hear in the New Testament, Jesus came to not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. That's very rabbinical language. And, um, you know, you don't, we don't understand, we don't learn in the same way, right? We don't, we don't find a teacher and then sit at the foot of that teacher, the feet of that teacher. Um, I don't know why that sounds weird when I say that. Suddenly had a one-footed rabbi there. Yeah, I know. I don't know (laughs) what was going on. The one foot. Um, I think probably I got a chance to do that as much as, you know, anyone that I know when I, I went through my doctoral program with Lynn Sweet because he was kind of ever present through that whole process. Um, and it's amazing how it's amazing how literally learning from someone for three years begins to shift the way that you think and begin you begin to think like Lynn's all about metaphors. So you like begin to think in metaphor and like everything you hear is a metaphor, not necessarily an allegory, but a metaphor that that can be unpacked that, you know, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. But, um, but yeah, I think when we talk about, when we talk about that remaining, where are we remaining? We're remaining at the, at the foot of Jesus. And at the foot of Jesus sounds to me a little different. And I know we may be just talking semantics here than sitting at the foot of the cross. Mm. Right. And let me make that delineation. Yeah, I, don't I was going to say the same more. sense. But yeah. So sitting at the foot of the cross, I think, is the recognition of the salvific work of Jesus. Right. The, the work that he did on the cross. Right. Moving us towards resurrection and understanding that kind of new life. But I think sitting at the foot of Jesus, like that's what the disciples did. And weirdly enough, only one of them showed up at the foot of the cross. Mm-hmm. Right. But right. but man, they sat at his feet. Man, they 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 listened to what he was saying. It, I mean, it took them a while to you know realize it, but but they were able to be in that presence and 
that's a different experience. Sitting at the foot of the cross, I think, is sitting in awe and wonder of the sacrifice of what God, what Jesus has done for us. I think sitting at the feet of Jesus is, I think that's a full sensory experience of how we learn about who Jesus is and how it applies to our lives. I don't know. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. I actually, I, I thought about that this last week. Um, you know, in the, I got into a little bit of the story you're going to spend time with this week, Tim, the, on the, you know, the Mary and Martha story, um, which has always been a go-to story. I've resonated so much over the years with that because I fully know I'm a Martha. Right. I, I know I'm a, I'm a busy body. I'm a work, care for people, you know, love on people, serve people, but it's easy to get so distracted by everything. Right. Um, and and the, you look like you, a Martha too. So thank you. Thank you. I, I'll <laughs> own it. I don't know what Martha looks like. <laughs> I, can say, I, don't, I don't know what drawings you've seen. Um, <laughs> but poor, if that's true, poor Martha. I know, poor Martha. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, this idea that how I related it was that in my life growing up, especially in, in my journey, you know, I wasn't immersed in, in any you know, one specific religious tradition. I mean, I knew about Adventism. I, I kind of had my toe dipped into it here and there over the course of my, you know, growing up. Um, and it wasn't until my teenage years, I started getting kind of more immersed. And, and so as I was, I, I kind of had this feeling that everything, all the beliefs, all the doctrine, all the knowledge was equally important. Like mm -hmm. I had to, I had to know everything there was about everything. If I was going to be a good, Adventist and, and that Adventist, cause that was my, my tradition that I was in. Um, and, and then when it came to a point where I realized that actually, no, not everything is equally important. Nothing is as important as Jesus. Right. Um, you know, that, that I think is where Martha was, was distracted, right? Because she, she, it wasn't, we always give her a bad rap because, oh, look, she didn't sit at the feet of Jesus like Mary. And there's the Marthas that look at Mary me being a Martha again, that say, well, she just, she's not doing anything. She's just sitting and, and listening and no one can just always sit and listen. Like somebody has got to do something. Um, and so I think it wasn't the fact that she wasn't, that she was busy doing things. I think it was her, the spirit in which she was doing it. Like she hadn't recognized, you know, that Jesus was the most important thing. Um, and so she was missing that opportunity. So I think there's a way to be involved in activity and yet still, you know, sit at the feet of Jesus, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, that's, in, that's, I don't think Martha didn't think she was with Jesus. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Right. Cause I'm not going to lie. I was answering my son to see whether his car started this morning because it, <laughs> it didn't last night, but no. But but you said something that caught my attention, and I, I at the risk of repeating what you just said, to me it sounded like an epiphany. Martha was doing exactly what she thought she should do for the love of Jesus, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, I think yeah. because of her makeup, and my bet is to be rebuked for that. Like she was going to have to work Hurt. that out a little bit. Yeah, right. Yeah. I think I know yeah. exactly. I think that's a that's a good point to be rebuked for what she thought but it's was not the, a gift. It's not the point. It's not the point that you made. No, I. I mean, I was I was entering into the story talking about how you know we have a tendency to to think that everything is equally important. Right, right, right. Um, no. And and realizing that really only one thing is the most important. <laughs> right. Um, and that I think what Jesus was rebuking her for personally. Um, was just the spirit in which she was doing that. I mean, she'd gotten to the place where her service was, she was resenting her sister, um, right. you know, and her service had turned from being a gift into being a burden. Um, and, and I get that. I mean, I, you know, that can happen to me at, at, you know, planting a church and running around and setting everything up and seeing, well, you know, other people aren't doing what I'm doing. Um, you know, so you can have the spirit, but I think it's learning to, for, for the busybodies, I think it's important to recognize that you can, there are times to sit at the feet of Jesus and just listen and receive. But I think you can also figure out a spirit in which you do those things that allows you to continue to sit at the feet of Jesus in spirit. Right. Real quick, just a point of clarification. When you say busybody, are you meaning like a gossiper or are you meaning like somebody who's busy? Oh, I'm not, not a gossiper. No. Yeah. Just, just someone who does a lot. Okay. Works hard. 
I thought a busybody was somebody who's like all up in somebody's business. Oh, I've, I've actually never thought about it that way. Yeah. Well, huh. that's interesting. What do you think, Dave? You're from the South. Uh, they're, they're the king and queens of <laughs> idioms down there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah uh, um, I'm not sure that I am the arbiter of all Southern expression, but I think it can be known. Uh, I do think people use that as a reference to people who are border on inappropriately invested in other people's business. Right. Wow. I've never used it that way. That's really? so fascinating. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> I don't know what that, I don't know what the implication you of that is. But there's no, it just, I just want to make you, sure you kept saying busybody, And I was like, is Martha well, a gossiper? Was that what she was doing? So you would hope also that people who are generally busy probably involve their whole body in that process. Right. But you know, thank you, Dave. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> Well, that was just that was just pity. That's all Dave peace, did right there. Peace be among you. It was pity uh, since you don't understand the English language, apparently, Patty. Apparently. The idioms, the idioms of use since the 1800s. But you know, whatever, it's fine. It's fine. So Sorry, I'm I'm so I'm me, very much taking this off track, and I apologize for well, that. Let me but. take you a slightly different direction. I uh, so and maybe it connects a little bit to this this uh, idea of being rebuked. Well, it sound, feels different if the word were challenged, right? It, to be challenged, to be called forward versus being called out, it feels mm. different. But, um, and and sometimes when Jesus might want to call us further, it's because we are convoluting with something that might be good, something that isn't, right? Mm. And if it is that I'm now being resentful of someone else. I know some people who, when they serve other people, they start to keep score. Mm, yeah. And so it stops being about service, right? Somehow along the way. And that could have been happening. Um, it can also be that the thing that is right to do, there is a moment when Jesus would challenge us to do something a little differently, right? And that he wouldn't always be challenging Martha in that way. But in this moment, he is, right? Uh, right. The thing he might be congratulating in this moment, he can see another step for Martha, right? To 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 move even further with him. I I was thinking about this, and then I was thinking about you know this whole idea of being yoked, being partnered, walking with Jesus in what He is doing. And there are moments when what He is doing, He says, "Look, you know, think about, <laughs> take up a cross and follow me." And I'm I'm so I'm going to say these things. My yoke is easy. The cross then is easy. Wow, what <laughs> this is a gymnastic, right? Um, but what if walking through things with Jesus changes the context of even what would be seen as the most difficult of things, um, the most harrowing even of things? If that were true, then suddenly this is amazing. Um, that the circumstances of life and the challenges we would walk through, we would look back on and say, because I went through that, I was going through it, and I could have gone through it on my own, or I could have gone through it with Jesus, and going through it with Jesus, suddenly there is an ease and a rest, and a it's a difference maker. And then you think about, too, so many things that Jesus gets to be a part of that would bring joy to our lives if we got to be a part of that. And I think, for instance, of the story of Jesus multiplying the fish and the loaves and, um, you know, there being this great feast that's born of miraculous power. And I heard someone once share it this way. That night, a little boy goes home and his mom asks him what he did today. And the little boy gets to say, Jesus and I... <laughs> <laughs> fed all these people, right? And I think when Jesus says, um, my yoke is light, come walk with me, he's inviting us to have an, a, a, an easier walk through the harrowing and a delightful walk through the impossible that we couldn't otherwise experience, but that partnered with him, we will experience um, that it's all of the above, both of those. No, that's good. The, I mean, you're you're spot on because the whole 
the whole not only metaphor but experience of the cross is that right it's this thing that was that was used for torture and 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 you know social supplication if you will and then it becomes this symbol right jesus is able to change those things um from from horror to salvation i mean to the best things in the world so i think that I think that you're absolutely right, and I think that we don't believe it. <laughs> right. Or we believe I, it, and then the clouds roll in that we can't see out of. Right. And and we don't believe it in those moments well, the same way. Yeah, because I think it's a constant. In fact, I, I was I was inspired with the, the quote um, you know, from, I think Tim used it this last week in the Eugene Peterson quote from a... Um, a lot from Nietzsche. In the, oh, well, it's Nietzsche, yeah. Um, but it but it led me back to read his book again. Um, Eugene's Nietzsche's uh, book. or Peterson? No, 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 no. Peterson's book. Sorry, <laughs> okay. yeah, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not I'm <laughs> Those are two very book. different reads. They're very, they're very different. different. Both, I'm just both saying. worthwhile. Yeah, but but you know, and 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 the talking about you know we're so immersed in our world and and what's wrong with our world that it's like it's like a fish in water. Right. He uses that analogy. And like we can't we, we we need Jesus to help us, you know, realize what all is happening to reinterpret the things that are going on around us so that we can live into the life that he has called us to because it's it, and it's daily because we forget it so easily. Um, you know, we're walking in step with him and things are good. Some circumstance, some season of busyness, some tragedy happens and it's so easy for us to forget. And it's so easy for us to bail on that on that journey and that relationship with him just to survive and get through the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, and merging your two points. So you have the person who's who's um, suddenly going through some loss or whatever, and and it it suddenly it's a darkness, a cloud, a thing you can't see out of, and you forget. Also, there's the person who is a part of their family, maybe their faith family, who is having generally an awesome day with Jesus and is now beside that person, it's also so easy for me to forget that it's so easy to forget, you know, if you follow me there, right? That to enter into the experience, I, you know, to know that there isn't a cliche, we're so easily and readily um, able to flop a cliche down on top of pain or difficult or challenge in a moment when a person can't see past the clouds. And maybe that's where this whole John 15 message to remain and be yoked to the one who will make it through what you can't even see could be made through, right? That remaining, in, in it's, you know, the great days are pretty easy to remain. The challenging times, the dark times, the the, the really disappointing times, remaining then, that is definitely this spiritual discipline process that we're talking about. I'm going to, I'm going to push back on something you just said. Is that all right? Can do we do it that here? I'm going to do it unapologetically. <laughs> oh, mm. I feel like mm. that's another podcast. But... Mm. <laughs> so, so you said, I actually think for most people, it's harder to remain in faith when things are going well. Hmm. And and let me let me let me explain. Let me explain this. Um, I think particularly for those of us who grew up in faith communities, right? We we talk about the hard times a lot. We talk about the hard times a lot, and so that's kind of a natural response for somebody who's kind of grown up with a language of faith and understanding that God's around. I think, and I think this it's fascinating for our communities often because we you know have such an emphasis on education and we have a tendency to to graduate people into really great jobs and you know whether it's you know healthcare or you know just high level thinking our obviously this is not across the board but oftentimes you know second and third generation avenists do pretty well for themselves in the world and the better you do the more you think you did it it feels my experience after 25 years of ministry is that you've got people who go through struggle and they, they're willing to go to Jesus. But the people who think they figured it out, who are living comfortable mm-hmm. lives, they're not praying the prayer of Paul. I've learned to be content in all situations, you know, the Philippians 4. 
They're saying, I'm content because look what I've got and look what I've built and look, and nobody helped me do this. When it all falls apart, we really want Jesus around. But when it's going just fine, he's a little bit of a distraction. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's that's the only, I, I think it's probably too strong to say I take issue with what you said, Dave. But But I think that particularly in the first world, particularly in people that are highly educated, particularly in people that are doing quite well, it's easy to think you did it. Right. It's a, it's a Deuteronomy I, <clears throat> principle, right? Is is God told the Israelites, like, you know, look, it's been rough now. You've been leaning on me now, but you're going to get to a place where you have everything you need. Your, your tables are going to have plenty of food. And and when that happens, you're going to forget me. Right. Yeah. At the risk of appearing dense. <laughs> I, I feel like, Tim, you just made a completely separate point, um, which is no, not no, in no. conflict. I, I clearly with disagree with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, weirdly, no, I, I like that with better. your disagreement while not disagreeing with anyway. I know um, that's fascinating. I love so the integrity say, that you have for not having integrity on yeah, the fact that yeah. I. <laughs> no, it's good stuff. I would, I would say that. Um, um, I so one, the point I possibly clumsily was attempting to make is that we can think about how difficult it is to remember. God's power when we're in the midst of the darkness. Mm. My point was, when we're having a great spiritual day, it's easy to forget that it's difficult to remember. And so we end up saying things to those people or living in sorts of ways that come off way too simply Mm. as the fix for the difficulty. I don't know, honestly, I think it's difficult to assess whether it is harder to maintain strong faith when you're going through the valley of darkness and disappointment, or maybe a third posture or position or situation is when people who claim to be of God act so clearly other than godly. Yeah. Um, or if it's just generally the hardest thing to for to keep from forgetting that Every good thing is from God. My successes are from God, even when he's capitalized on my boldest and uh, maybe best characteristics. I don't see those as incompatible thoughts, quite honestly. I think you're right that we don't spend a lot of time acknowledging that God has a real problem on his hands Mm. with allowing us to be successful, because we will turn it into our own thing really fast, even while we dress it up in spiritual terms, right? Right. And I'd say pastors have some of the biggest problem with that. Um, Every time you step up to speak, you want this to make a difference for people and for God to come into their lives in this moment, and then they respond to you and say, oh man, God so clearly spoke through you today, and you go, nailed it. (laughs) Got it right. No, I hear what you're saying, and I think I didn't. I think I didn't understand your thought completely. So you're right; we did not disagree, and both our points are very salient and erudite. And man, what a good podcast we're having right now! <laughs> All is well in the world, unless you're uh, on the wrong Alaskan airline flight. <clears throat> that is true. Oh, that is true. Um. Yeah, move us move us forward in the conversation, Patty. It looks like you've got something to say again. No, no I think I like I just think it's whatever the case is, whatever the whatever you guys are saying. I stopped listening a while ago. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was it was a long that was a um, long journey yeah, that we took yeah. through that canyon. The the the, the the segue, Patty, is you just say, "Well, that makes me think of," and then you just go yeah, off in right. a whole yeah. new. Or, or, or as I hear some people, you know, that's a good point, but I'm going to take it in a totally different direction. But here's um, here's another point, nothing to do with another. that one. <laughs> um, no, I think at the end of the day, it's it, it's the going back to what we said at the beginning with the yoke. Um, it's a partnership, right? The amazing thing about God is that he he chooses to partner with us. Um, and, and I guess for us, it's a, it's easy to forget that he, that he has partnered with us or wants to partner with us. And we go about this work our own. Um, and then we hit a life situation where we're reminded like, no, actually we, we weren't really designed to do this on our own. 
Um, you know, and I guess that that's, that's again, that's why the, the word remain or abide or to stay is so important. Um, and that's why we all need our communities of faith because our communities of faith are there to help remind us of that, um, that we're not meant to do this on our own. God wants to partner with us, which is, which is crazy to think about. Um, but he does, he partners with us to help us navigate this, this world and this life together. Um, and, and to me, that's what real, real discipleship, we often think about it, you know, as just us and God, but real discipleship is, is communal, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's, it's our relationship with him and it's our relationship with each other. Um, and both of those are, are critical. Yeah. There wasn't one disciple. There were 12. Yeah. Yeah. No, I always think about, I said it this last week in my sermon, I said, you know why my wife and I have been married for almost 29 years because nobody left. Which is a vast oversimplification, but it's not on some days. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think the other term you used was legally obligated. Well, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's that. There's I think that. You edited it out out of future uh, worship services, but <laughs> but no, it's true. I mean, I always tell people. I, I tell you know, I've done tons of premarital sessions with with you know, especially young adults, and you know, it's it's sitting there and saying, look, like your vows are something you commit to every day of your life. It's not just a one and done kind of thing on your wedding day. And there are days when it's going to be really easy to commit to those vows. And there are days when it's really hard. Um, But that's what commitment is. And and that's where intimacy comes from is continuing to say yes to the relationship, even when it's really hard. Yeah. You know, and when I, when I heard you, you know, I I listened to your, uh, to your sermon Earlier morning, Sunday, I was just kind of awake and not up yet, and so I was just listening and watching it. Um, and when you got to that point in the the your illustration, it made me think of a class I had in undergraduate school at Andrews University, uh, partly selected because the teacher's nickname was Easy A, and then it, it, his yeah. last name. And it was uh, marriage dynamics, and you know, family and marriage dynamics, something like this. And he had this huge chortling laugh that he was constantly deploying in anything that he would say. And we came in the first day and he just, he, he did a couple of little things. And then he's, and then he just started kind of chuckling out this one word that I had never heard. <laughs> propinquity. <laughs> and that, well, okay, what's going on? And none of you would be alive today except for propinquity. And, uh, okay. What's this about? That sounds dirty. It does in some ways. And he went on to make it a little weirder first and then clarified. Um, <laughs> propinquity is when two people or objects occupy generally the same space. His point was your parents had to be somewhere near each other for there to be a you. You have to occupy same space, same time. You have to be together and you have to stay in that space, right? which is this whole remaining thing. And it can be ugly. It can be awkward. It can be, um, it can be, have moments of almost even bitterness and trouble and failure and joy and all these things. But if that isn't, if it's not same space, same time, it can't happen. And that's marriage. That's parenthood. That's community. That's, the vine and the branches, and that's the call. It can be all sorts of other things, but it must be together. That's true. And, and what's fascinating is when we talk about um, perichoruses, this <clears throat> relationship that God has with himself, right, to understand the Trinity, this community of God, it's... it's um, it's dwelling so closely or abiding so closely to be as one. Right. So that's the, the, the long obedience in the same direction that ends up, that ends up creating real community in a way that, in a way that is only exemplified through this concept of the Trinity and who God is. And, um, for me, for me, that, that's the model of, discipleship mm. for me that's also the model of community that's the model yeah. of like like let's be close and i'll tell you what it's hard as our churches grow um it's hard to create that abiding right because 
I mean, I remember when we were small and we were like, you know, us against the world and we're doing this, us and Jesus. And like, there wasn't that many us. So we all kind of knew each other and we were going for it. And we had this like, um, deep commitment to God and to one another and to what God had called us to now. Like I, you know, I have to be careful because when I say, oh, how long have you been coming to Crosswalk? People will be like six years. <laughs> like, oh, I never met you before. And then right. I feel horrible. Right. And my, you know, some of that's probably my fault and my, some of it might be their fault as well, but, but seeking, continually seeking ways to abide in proximity. And what was that word, Dave? Cause I'm going to use it. Propinquity. In propinquity. Yep. Propinquity. Propinquity. <laughs> um, yeah. Like that's, that's the thing. And I think that's what we're called to. And I think what we see in this text that we're preaching on, I think what we see in, even, even in the, the metaphor of the vineyard, you know, when he says remain, he's like, just don't go. Just don't go. Just don't go anywhere. Just stay here through the good times and the bad times. And we'll see. Now it's probably late to introduce this. And so I know we got to go here in a second, but what does that have to do with like staying in a church? That's that's maybe not the best place or you're not agreeing with. Should should people just stay there? I mean, what does that mean? I think there are toxic relationships um, mm. that aren't good and aren't healthy for us. And, um, and so I think that they can actually do more harm than good in our journey. Um, at the same time, I feel like, you know, we've, we've got to, just because it's hard doesn't mean it's toxic. Um, right. And, you know, in my relationship with, with Trisha, I have really, there, there are days that are tough. That doesn't mean it's toxic. It just means it's going to take work and, and I've got to continue to make that commitment. And, and so I think sometimes we're in such a consumer environment that we think, oh, if it's hard, um, it must not be right. Hmm. Um, you know, and there's some sort of perfect, you know, relationship somewhere else out there. And so I think we, 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 we're quick to leave relationships or things because it, or especially yeah. in the, in, in romantic relationships, if we have this idea that there's the perfect one out there that, you know, if, if things are hard, I must not have found the perfect yeah. one. Yeah. I have just as much fear of the overuse or misuse of the notion of toxicity as an excuse to bail. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. and I, and, and, um, kind of an embracing of a lack of resiliency. Um, somehow, I, you know, I was thinking about this in terms of the question when, when an opportunity is posed to you professionally, say in pastoral ministry, and you know you would really love it and enjoy it. <clears throat> well, but on the other hand, counterbalancing that, ministry is not simply a call to um, enjoyment of work. It is to a missionality too, right? Mm -hmm. So, because if you go too far down that path, then you're going to bail as soon as something gets difficult or you're called upon to do a, something that's challenging. Um, I do think that our capacity to experience things as um, in a healthy way when they are difficult versus in a toxic way that is going to take us down it isn't just whatever that behavior or activity is outside of us. It's also our level of maturity, our connectedness to healthy things. And so it makes it a little difficult because I might say, well, I could make it through that situation and it's not toxic to me. Somebody who is less healthy, it might actually be toxic for. And so I think we have to be pretty grace giving <laughs> to people um, who are going through environments that are challenging and boy, spiritual environments can really be that. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you for helping me process through that question. Cause, cause even sometimes I, I preach it, right. I'm, I'm on the platform. I'm preaching, um, remain. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I'm like, well, you didn't, you're here oftentimes because you didn't remain. I'm, you know, am I chastising you? And should I expect something <clears throat> different? Um, you know, from, yeah. from what we're doing. I, I made the comment last week and I, I think it, it bears repeating, um, leaving church is not necessarily leaving faith. And in those particular situations, sometimes you have to leave the church that you're in so that your faith will maintain and you can remain. Right. And those are, those are 
tough situations. And like, just to call it out in reality, there's probably, I mean, the, the movement of crosswalk is pretty big. There's probably people who are considering, like, I don't know if I can stay here because of whatever, you know, my, my prayer is that we, we work incredibly, incredibly hard to make sure that we don't have those toxic communities, but you know, everybody experiences things differently. And, um, you know, so, so my hope is that my hope is that we're not creating communities that people feel like they have to leave to stay in relationship with God. But, but if we do like, A, I hope there's forgiveness and B, I hope we're made aware of those things so we can help to work and work through some of that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think we're all hoping that we're creating environments that people who have real problems would want to be a part of. Mm -hmm. Problem is now you got people (laughs) with real problems. Right. And we're going to brush up against each other and that's not always going to be comfortable. Um, And I think, you know, I think we would all be willing to say we are a certain form of atheist. There are atheists who have, there are atheists who, as they talk about the God they've rejected, I would say, yeah, I'm that same kind of atheist. Right. Right. I don't believe in that God either. And the problem is that God gets tagged with all of our characteristics. Mm -hmm. And I think part of our mission is to help people actually ascribe to God what is God's and to his people what is his people's, which is going to require an awful lot of grace and forgiveness. And sometimes even saying, you know, I probably should modulate how much time I spend with that person who Mm -hmm. is my brother or sister, (laughs) Uh, because that does not have a good effect on me. And I start ascribing to God what isn't God's. Right. That's good. That's really good. Hey, thank you. Thank you for that. We've gone a little longer than we normally do, but I really appreciate the the answer and thought processing on that question. Um, any last words, guys? Start Stop looking at supply for... a meme for today. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think but... I think we probably I think there's, supplies. Supplies. there's one or two in there. One. Yeah. There's one or um, two in there. But yeah, no, I was going to say, I, it's always scary, Tim, sometimes when you ask the question, because you're like, I, I, I got to have a, a we got to fill space. Um, there's a pressure, <laughs> but it's not, let's just, let's just remain. Let's remain. Let's just, remain just quietly not speaking into the podcast. Yeah. That's, that's let's a great, teach. that's a great way. <laughs> uh, 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 really. Today's podcast will be the practice of silence. <laughs> <laughs> no, John's got that in his podcast. <laughs> No. Listen, guys, we're so thankful that um, you're part of uh, what God is doing through Crosswalk Church. And if you're not, and there's not one close to you, but you you know, check things out online and you're just part of the uh, congregation of this podcast, we really appreciate you. And if you want to give so that um, these podcasts can still continue to be created and we can make all that sort of thing happen, you can go to crosswalkvillage.com slash give and give to online. Um, that's one of the ways that we fund the work that we're doing. And we're just grateful for you. Patty, thank you. Dave, thank you. You guys have a wonderful week. Looking forward to hearing your sermons this week. And lastly, well, it's the thing we say, right? Love well. Thank you so much for joining us on the Sacred Echo podcast. This has been brought to you by Love Well Creative in partnership with Crosswalk Church. If you would like to give for more digital content, please go to www.crosswalkvillage.com give and click on the online option under fund. Thank you so much for giving. Thank you so much for supporting. And thank you so much for being part of what God is doing through Crosswalk Church and Lovewell Creative.